Word of mouth, we had people traveling from all over the world to come just for the for the workshop. Many, many people told me that they were in ritz just to do the workshop. Um, so that's, you know, when you hear such things, and not one time, many times, um, I stay humble because, because that's a small shop. But I really have this feeling today where I know that I'm at service. I know that what I do in the small way I do it matters and it's, it is what I am meant to do. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of. It doesn't matter how badly you got beaten. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go with your gut. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. The French-born Nora Gasparini has dedicated her life to the craft of perfumery and has found her calling in scent. But it wasn't an easy road to get there. Before establishing her laboratory, Nora was struggling to find her independence and see the value in herself. She was often stuck at home with her mom while her dad and brother went out, explored, and handled the family business. But Nora wouldn't be on the sidelines for long. After igniting her flame in boarding school, tapping into her creative side in L.A., and learning what a perfumer even was in Paris, Nora was filled with a love for meeting new people and sharing new scents. Now settled in Bali, her company, La Coulier Parfums and Creations, has introduced travelers and locals alike to the art of fragrance, and in turn, the memories that smell can hold. But before all this, Nora was on a different island, surrounded by the smells of a bakery. I actually want to take it back to the island you mentioned where you grew up, Martinique. Can you tell me some of your earliest memories growing up there? I, I grew up in a pâtisserie, uh, where that? pâtisserie is a bakery. My uh, father owns uh, owned bakeries when I was when I was younger, and we used to live upstairs of the bakery. So the so, smells are wafting up. <laughs> the smell of uh, flour, um, smell of fresh bakeries, um, definitely that would have been my first um, childhood memory. Wow. Did you work in the bakery? I would like to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I spent a lot of time talking with the workers there, uh, the sellers, and um, I was the chatty uh, child. You know, I was very curious. Did your your like dad or mom like encourage that curiosity? Did they try to, I guess, include you into the business, or was that something that was more for not you? I think that um, it was pretty much. Uh, my father is the same, very curious man and a, a real entrepreneur, always doing some things, always on on a new uh, project, and um, I, I think that uh, I was pretty impressed by it when I was younger. And I think that that's what drove me to be like him. Did you feel like he wanted you to learn how to do the family business? Like, did he teach you and your brother equally? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> really? Absolutely not. I grew up in uh, Martinique, which is 
not anymore, but back then was uh, really much patriarchal. So basically, um, the first word that he said when I um, came out of the womb of my mom was shit, because he wanted to have it, uh, a boy. And that's, that's, that's true. So, so much that the doctor had asked him to leave. Uh, the home. We had to talk about it. I mentioned to him how much anger that I had. What was it like growing up? Like when you were when you were a kid, like what did you feel? Like what were some of the experiences that elicited that anger? Girls needs to be to stay with the mom and boys needs to stay with with the father. And uh, he was going around with my, my brother and I was staying home with my mom. And I was sad at the beginning. I was sad about it, but I um, the more I grew up, the more I got uh, mad. You didn't feel like very included in the in the goings on of your dad, but you didn't necessarily say anything. Did that anger bubble up in any ways? Yeah, of course. Um, I would I would fail. I would feel um, unvalued, um, unworthy, and it started to be like I rejected my mother. Anything related to my mother, I rejected it because. I, will, I didn't want to, to be like her. Um, and she, she's an absolutely beautiful woman. And like, like I learned so much now from her. But at the time, I, you know, I didn't uh, see her value. That was so clear to me. I wanted to um, start um, a new life. And uh, I was 16 years old. And uh, I just asked, um, usually at that time, you would send um, child like with with bad behavior, you would send them to boarding school. But um, I wanted to go to boarding school, actually. And I asked my dad and he was um, I started to get his attention because I was going out, you know, um, uh, partying a lot. You were partying? Yeah, I was partying a lot. Eventually, um, that was a way to attract also the attention of my father. And the day I attracted the attention of my father, he came with his car and um, asked me like, like he was very mad and said, you have to get out, get inside the car. And uh, that's the day I decided that it, you know, I, I needed to go to, to boarding school. And in the very early in the morning, I went to him and I asked him, yeah, um, I want to go to boarding school. And uh, right away he said, yes. <laughs> wow. How did that make you feel? I was really happy. Because that's something that I wanted. And, and I didn't sleep that night. I really wanted, you know, I was, of course, uh, I had a big fear of the unknown. But at the same time, I wanted to go to boarding school. And I went back to my dad and I say, this is where I want to go. And I didn't even look at the paper. So he took the paper, called the school. And one month after, I was enrolled. In the boarding school, I was just, in the you boarding randomly school. pointed to one. What was it like? Did you randomly choose the right one? Um, eventually, I I chose the right one because um, my uh, future husband went to the same school. Really? Yes, but I didn't meet met him there. Yeah. Um, I met him, and we realized that we went to the same school. So, what was that school like? Um, it was, um, you know. Um, as you could imagine, in a French castle, uh, and it was the name was uh, E E uh, E I E, and it doesn't exist anymore. But at the time, uh, with a big lake, uh, beautiful castle, and um, 
And I'm imagining then, Harry Potter right now. Pretty much like this. <laughs> pretty much like this. Did you get involved in anything at boarding school? Did you realize that you liked certain subjects? Was there anything that you realized about yourself as you went through school? I realized that people, I could be uh, liked for myself. I had a uh, I had a big brother when I grew up, and uh, pretty much I was so happy to have him because you know but he was very popular. So I was always the sister of my brother, and I liked it. But um, but now I was like uh, likable for myself, and that was a huge um, discovery. Um, you know. So as you got towards the end of boarding school. What are you thinking that you want to do next? Like how, how are your interests um, developing? I wasn't, um, I, I didn't have a passion at the time. I didn't, I was passionate about people and I was very curious. So anytime that I would have the experience, the opportunity to learn about people, I would take it. For example, at the end, when I um, when my boarding school finished, I went to uh, Egypt for one month, and uh, I uh, spent a lot of time there uh, because of a boyfriend that I had at ah, the time, classic. and that that I was allowed to go by myself, wow. you know, to a different country and and with a with a boyfriend that was. That was just amazing. You know, this is also where I get to understand that I could travel mm. and that I was safe. Was there ever like a point in like Egypt or Morocco where you initially were scared and then you realized, oh, I don't have to be? Um, we were on the desert. We were going from um, eight, uh, from the mainland to uh, Sham al-Sheikh and we had to go through the desert to go there. Like the Sahara Desert? Yes, we travel at night and the, we had a big explosion at night. Explosion? Explosion. And actually it was the, the tire that exploded. Oh, wow. But it was at night and we've, um, you know, it was very, very dark. Yeah. And, You're you like, know, is that a gunshot? Is it, that, yeah. Exactly. It was, it was not that much at the, at the time. We didn't have that much like terrorism. Or, or, so it was not in my head, but it, like 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 the sound was so scary. I don't think that maybe we had maybe two or three women in the car in the bus. So I was in the middle of the desert, very dark, dark at night, with all these men around me, and um, that was scary, very scary. Yeah. And um, but I was safe. Yeah. So like you made it through. And I made it through. Also, this experience um, showed me that even if everything seems very dramatic you still safe. So uh, you come back, you get into University of Ottawa. Um, why did you choose Canada? My, my brother was in Canada. He was in uh, Montreal and uh, I wanted to go to Canada, but I, you know, with my uh, new um, independence, independence, I didn't want to, uh, to go to Montreal close to my dad, uh, my brother again. So I wanted to be in Canada, but not uh, in Montreal. And I didn't want to go to Quebec because that was a French-speaking uh, um, place, location. I wanted to challenge myself and start to learn English. So I decided to go to Ottawa. Why did you want to learn English? Because I wanted to be an international um, traveler. So definitely I needed to have English. And uh, 
you know, um, having the uh, English accent because I had such a strong French accent and I still do, but um, it was uh, way more back then. And so what was Ottawa like? It was cold, but um, it was another level of independence. Mm -hmm. This uh, country is so, um, you know, um, it's safe. In uh, Canada, you had to study constantly uh, in order to, you know, you, you get you get your mark through the year. Really, it was more of the experience, not really about the academy. I don't really uh, remember what I learned there. <laughs> but I remember that I spent a lot of time, you know, I was involved in a lot of um, uh, games, you know, like inter-university inter game. Um, I was uh, doing charity. I was... Um, so I remember more of this than yeah. the academic thing. Well, I mean, I feel like honestly for me too, like I studied aerospace engineering and mechanical engineering at UCLA and like, I don't remember many of my classes, but what I do remember is the people that I met, the parties mm -hmm. that I went to, the new experiences that I had with these people. And it's like, I, I think the community that I created there was really why I was there and what I paid for. It wasn't actually the information that exactly. I learned. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. 100% agree. As you went through college, did any of that uh, passion, that uh, the, those those suspicions of something that you might be interested in after college creep up? Um, while I was doing uh, commerce, because I was doing commerce in, at university, like it's, it now nowadays it's a business school. It was not at the time, but it was still a business um, business study. Uh, I started to realize that I was more attractive to creativity than to numbers. So. Once again, I pop up to my dad and I ask, can I do fashion design? And I wanted to go to Italy at the beginning uh, because uh, fashion design, uh, Italy was very well known for fashion design. And, uh, but I was really impressed by the modernity and technology that we had in, um, in uh, Canada. So I still wanted to be in this kind of environment. So that's why I realized that we had this fashion design school, Otis College in Santa Monica in Los Angeles. So I went there. And what about fashion and design felt like something that spoke to you? Um, I liked the fact that I was doing things with my hand and that I had an idea and I could do something about it right away. I liked this, but I wasn't made for fashion design at all. The first, I remember the first day I went to um, Otis College, I, I, I had a business suit, you know, because that's the way we do in uh, Ottawa. You know, if you, if you go to an interview or whatever, first day of school. It's formal. Yeah, you have a formal attire. And someone came out of the, um, the, the, the college uh, dressed like a Batman, you know, Batman. Yeah, with, with, a yeah. Uh, with a cape, and uh, it felt like Batman, and um, it was too much for me. It was too far from what I know, uh, what, what I knew. Um, so, and also, like people were too, too crazy. Yeah, um, and I don't know if it was the people from Los Angeles or people from oh, people from fashion. LA are crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> especially like the artist community, they can get uh, they can get a little zany. So that was maybe a little bit too far from what I knew. 
I liked it. I really enjoyed the people. I really enjoyed the, the, the Los Angeles, Las Vegas and everything. I really enjoyed this. But that was too far for me, you know, like um, I wanted to have some things uh, a little bit more formal. So I went back to, uh, to Ottawa to finish um, my, my university. But that was the first time that I realized that I was a little bit more creative than... Um, you, were, you were a little bit more creative, but didn't necessarily fit the vibe of like the LA yes, uh, yes. Uh, uh, fashion scene, which is a very, it's a very, I mean, I, I, I knew some people, like I had some friends that were in that scene and they would wear the weirdest stuff and were very weird people. Very cool people. Very, very, very weird cool people. people. Uh, very, hard very crowd cool. to break into. When did you decide that you wanted to check out Paris and New York and all those places? Um, I graduated from um, university 2001 and started to work at the stock market of Montreal, but I was, um, I was doing the recruitment, not uh, human, uh, human resources. Is that what you wanted to do? At the beginning, yes, because I was so in love with people. I love people. That for sure, I knew that, you know, I was crazy about meeting people, talking to people, that, that's what I loved, but um, not in a formal way, then I realized afterwards. But um, yeah, so I started there, was fun, uh, but it, the, 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 the country was too cold for me. <laughs> you know, when you check out of uh, university, everything looks different. You know, you don't have your vibe, uh, your card anymore. Um, you have to wake up every day going uh, to work. Uh, suddenly, everything felt cold. <laughs> so that's what I decided to do, explore the world. But before I did that, I went back to Martinique. And my uh, father wanted uh, me to start to work uh, with him, but I was not ready. Did that feel like something big? No, because I don't think that it, I was invited. It was just something, you know, I don't think that we had the conversation come come work with me. I think it was just expected. So I, was, I, I wasn't wanted then. So maybe that's why I decided to explore. Um, so I, I went to Paris and I enrolled in a business school again there uh, to have a, a different perception of business instead of uh, from the North, uh, uh, North America. I wanted to have the same school, but from Europe. So, which I did, um, I don't, again, remember academically what it was, but I remember that we had to go to New York uh, during that time. Do you remember anyone that you met there that maybe like changed how you looked at the world? Definitely. For the time, um, two people. The first one uh, was a guy that I met during a party and he invited me to work for him. So while I was doing uh, university, I started to work with him. So I did that. Um, and it was very, very interesting. And I met a lot of people through those years. But again, we had to, at university, we had to um, visit company a business. And uh, we did this for IFF, the International Fragrance and Flavor. And that was the first time I realized that uh, you know, I had this idea of perfumery, a perfumer, like old man, um, you know, very, very dark, you know, like everything that you have in, in your imagination. And here I am with a 
bright laboratory everywhere, young people going around, um, bottles full, like like very modern bottles full, filled with um, a lot of lot of different uh, scents, and uh, and there is this big man asking me, "What do you want to smell?" And I say, "Tobacco," and he pull out tobacco, chocolate. He pull out chocolate, and it, 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 there was thousands of scents. That was exceptional, and we had a deep connection with this man. And then I realized that it was the director of uh, EFF, and we connect, and I stay in touch. I send I send a message to thank him for the visit and thank him because he was very nice with me, um, showing me everything uh, around. And I had a lot of questions answer patiently, answer all my questions. And then I sent a message saying that this is what I want to do. I want to work there. I want to, is there is, I have plenty of questions and I ask him if after my, 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 my degree, maybe I can send him my CV. And, uh, and if I have a lot of questions, can I, can I contact him? And he invited me to, um, invited me to breakfast, to brunch. So did that meeting and the answers you got to those questions shape your trajectory going into fragrance? No, but I had a lot of uh, answers um, more into the corporate life and how to, because my idea was to work, you know, not to be an entrepreneur. My idea was to work and that seems to be a, a wonderful place to work. But did you want you wanted? Did you want to work in fragrance? I didn't know that I wanted to work in fragrance. I thought I wanted to work in a corporate life in this beautiful uh, company. So, but I, I I think that the 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 most interesting was not my the 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 answers, but more the fact that he invited me while I was nothing. You know, I was nobody, and he still took the time so anything could be possible. So did you work for International Fragrance and Flavors? No, never, because I, I had to go back to Paris to finish the school. And also to finish the school, you needed to have an internship. So I enrolled in a um, marketing, marketing company and uh, it was very interesting. And then it was time to uh, start a new job because I graduated from this school and it was time to just get into <laughs> real life, you know. And I started for one week and I thought it was the, the, the place to be. And after one week, my father called me and asked me to come and work with him. What did he say? Yeah, I remember it was on a Friday and um, he told me I have a lot of problem with my company right now. There was a um, strike he had a 10 years lease and then it was uh, about to finish. So everything like he was in a bad place, space. And he just, uh, we, we got into the phone and he told me that would be better if I come and work with him. What did you respond to that? On the Monday, I was, uh, I was on the flight. So what was it like getting back on that Monday? Like, what did you start doing? What was um, Right away, uh, my dad owns, at that time, he owns a restaurant from airport. And right away, when I stepped out of the plane, I started to go because there was a late, um, I don't know how to say it, but the plane, plane was late and then delay and you had to, we have to serve. So right away, I went back behind scene and started to, 
to work. And um, yeah, so and I didn't know, but my husband, it was not my husband and I didn't know him at that time, but he was the first client that I served that day. And uh, yeah, so I learned, I learned how to fight with my dad, work a lot. And, you know, because he was not into administration and I had to step in and do this, um, which is not my biggest point as well. But I had to uh, I had to fulfill at that time. And I did. And I did. And we won again the lease for another 10 years. Wow. And for me, that was the end of, you know, my my purpose. Uh, for my dad, it wasn't because he wanted to still work with me, but I started to get a little bit bored. Why? Just the administrative stuff? Yeah, just because when you have a goal, you achieve the goal, then what's next? Yeah. You know, and I don't like restoration, you know, like uh, that's not my thing. I like to work with people, but that's not even my team. That's the team my uh, father built. So, you know, I didn't relate anymore. And I met my husband finally. How? The parents were friends of my father and we just met. You know, Martinique is very small. So we just met. And this is where my fiancé started to introduce me to Bali. So I started to travel to Bali with him. How did you get introduced to Bali? Did you just go on a trip together? Yeah, yeah. He invited me one day and I didn't even know I was working a lot at that time. So I didn't even have the time to take a map and look at the map to know where Bali was. And I didn't even know that Bali was in where in Asia. Oh, really? Was in Asia. No, I'm a, a bit of shame of it, <laughs> but, but I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. So I took the plane and I was very tired slept all the time, uh, all the way. So I didn't even know that it was 12 hours, wake up and I was in Bali. Just teleported there. Yes. Yes. And what was Bali like? Cause this is what, 2006? It was in 2006. Yeah. So 2006, I mean, we're in 2023. I imagine Bali has changed a lot since 2006 or has it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. In a way, for example, I remember that if you wanted to go to cinema, there was only one cinema and it was opening at 4 p.m. And it was at La Galleria. That was the only cinema. Or I remember as well that uh, we didn't have internet everywhere. We had to go to cafe and that was everywhere. Every little street has a cafe to go and have internet. So internet was not in hotel. We didn't have smartphone so we had to call so yeah it has changed but the Bali that I know and that I enjoy is still the same mm. you know I don't I don't think that is has changed so much I don't have to go to Singapore anymore to entertain myself yeah. I have everything here did you feel like when you were there in 2006 like did you know immediately that this is a place that you loved I didn't fall in love right away with Bali. It was just a place uh, for vacation for me. So we started to come every opportunity that we had. And we eventually get married in Bali. in oh, 2000. got married yes, in Bali. Wow. 2007. Whereabouts? In Blue Point. So, and also to organize the wedding to, you know, all my family came to, um, to Bali to celebrate. So you get to know people, you know, you get to talk you get to have your you know point of reference and uh 
you know, you, you have the same hotel, the same people greeting you. So you get to fell in love with Bali. Hmm. And how did it feel exploring this place with your now husband? One thing that I remember very clearly, there was sense smells everywhere. And that struck me. Like everywhere we, where we're going, there was smell of food, smell of incense, smell of flowers, smell, smell, smell all the time. That's, that's what I remember. When did you decide that you wanted to actually live in Bali? Bali was not the place I wanted to be. Sanur is. Uh, when I went to Sanur, I fell in love directly with Sanur. And every time that I had a, a pretty hard time at work, I would close my eyes and see me living in, in Sanur. So that was my happy place, you know. And um, my husband would say, like, let's, let's move there. Let's move there. And I always told him, you know, like, we live in France. That's a very, very secure and safe place to be. You don't want to live in Indonesia. We don't know Indonesia. We, yeah. You know, that was... Yeah, that it feels looks, crazy. Yeah, that looks scary at that time. And in 2009, we had a big strike in um, uh, 2008. It started 2008. We had a big strike in Martinique and he lost his job. Mm. So it was very scary. And we had to start from scratch, you mm. know. I had a good position because I was with my dad, but at the same time, it was not something that I really enjoyed doing. You know, yeah. um, it was fun for the time it uh, that that I did it, but I felt like emptiness inside me. So that's when I told my uh, husband, "You know what? We are going to Bali." Wow! And I took my little daughter because uh, back then I had my daughter. She was three weeks, and I came to Bali first to lease the house, and then my husband came after in two thousand nine. What did it feel like being here? Like, did you feel like you needed to create something immediately? Were you just like letting things sit in? Yeah, I gave myself one year. Uh, I have enough to live for one year and I need to do some things in one year. So first, what I did was to go to learn the language. So I went to school four hours a day and the rest of the day I would go on motorbike. I learned how to drive a motorbike and I would go around everywhere, sitting, going, going around, talking with people because I wanted to practice my, my Bahasa. Um, one day I had this idea, boom, like this. I was smoking on the terrace and I had this idea. I wanted to do some things where people get to know Indonesia through sense. That was my idea. Didn't think about perfume making at the time because I was not a perfumer. But I wanted to do some things with scent and I wanted people to experience in a place what I experienced about Bali without going everywhere. I wanted to have this in, uh, in Bali. And I thought about grass and I say grass is the place where people think about when they think about perfumery. And I want them to think about perfumery. I want them to think about Indonesia. That was the clear vision that I had in my head. Where do you go? Because like, you have the idea and it's like, how, I mean, how does it go from idea to like store to being able to actually have like a location where you're teaching people? I send an email. 
again. <laughs> <laughs> it all starts with an email. I send an email to the same guy. Remember, I asked him if I have question, can I wait, reach the out guy to you? From the same, IFF. Yes. And I say, wait, I want to do some things with perfume. Where do I start from there? He gave me a few institutions, and one of the institutions was Fifth Sense. And he said, you will be able to go there and learn from scratch anything that you need to know. Was that in Indonesia? It is in France, in Paris. In France, okay. So I left my daughter with my husband, and I went to Paris. And I oh started to study there. Goodness. So I studied perfumery a few weeks, a few months. What was it like studying there? Like, were you... Cause I feel like the pattern so far has been going to school, but just talking to people when you went to school here, did you like feel completely enthralled with your studies? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I was like, this is something that I love. This is something that is easy. That was easy for me. And it was like, I knew this. I would study all the time at night and every time. And when I finished school, I would go to perfumery, smell everything and I, I was obsessed. The same obsession that I had then, I still have it today. I still wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning just knowing that I'm going to work on my work, you know? So you come back from this few-month trip to Paris. You have now all the knowledge of perfumery in your head. But it's one thing to have the knowledge in theory um, and maybe in practice. But it's another thing to actually build a business around it in a country, a foreign country. The spark of imagination was so clear that I created, I, I rent a small room, very small, and I, I created in this room exactly what I had in mind. So so it's like, wasn't like a storefront. It no, was no, just no. like, it was, a, it was like a, was like a, a house, a house yeah. and I had a small room in my house and I built what I had in mind, I built it in this house. And it was very centimeter by centimeter. I created it very, very, yeah, you know, like as if people, a guest would get in. Also, because I wanted to portray Indonesian flavors and Indonesian scents, I didn't want to give knowledge that I don't own. So I put a bag on my back, a backpack, <laughs> I think you call it, and I went into Indonesia. So you started collecting the scents? Not collecting, but going and talk to people to know like the nutmeg, cinnamon, clove, uh, vetiver, patchouli. And I would learn and I would talk to people and I would just, and sometimes I couldn't even learn, but I would just sit there with them, looking at them doing things. And so you're exploring in the same way that you like hope to help other people explore. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And I did this regularly all the time and until today i just went back from a trip to to see the pinus trees then i started to talk with people who distill and i went to university of islam of Jogjakarta and learn about distillation in the way of uh, indonesia do it because that's a way to do it in france but that's another way to do it here and i was just sat with them and just it was very joyful yeah. for me just to be there, not even to talk, but just to be there. And it was like very fulfilling. Hmm. So you are experiencing these scents, doing your own exploration. How do you bring that back to 
your store and how do you how do you move it out of like your room this this house or how do you invite people into that space you know i really wanted that every note would really be authentic so i gather one by one you know i didn't say okay i want to have a a lot of a lot of sense everyone needs to have a meaning and needs to have a bridge into the perfume so it's not only getting all the sense but they they need to link to each other right so yeah each sense i would go and and learn about it and test it again and again and again and again and the way we do workshop here is very specific i treat the guest like a guest in a restaurant for me it's i reach for the star michelin my staff would laugh at me but but i i'm very very strict on everything need to place if you look at uh, at all the 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 placement everything has a place and everything like this needs to be two fingers from the border as if we are in a restaurant in a in a five star that's the attention detail that matters so how did you develop it from the little home like or how did you get people to come like how did it turn into the store there was an old joglo in a hotel in sanur and i offered the owner of the hotel to finish to build the the house and to create my workshop there hmm. so this is where i started so from the beginning i started to build this uh house and that's another passion that i have is building really i have the same passion for building than that i have for perfumery so when i'm not uh busy with one i'm busy with the <laughs> other one so i never get bored so i started to build my first store laboratory everything very intense at the beginning and i did it by myself and uh, then a little girl 17 years old started uh joined me uh yeah so i had only one staff for few years at the beginning and uh yeah so we opened for one or two months and i don't know why but journalists uh learn about what i was doing a journalist like learned about this perfume store that had just opened up i i don't know how but uh i did a little promotion on a, a small magazine that doesn't exist anymore but i think that he uh she saw some things on it and i had two pages on jakarta post so that was like really really big and i was like i i, I just started and already getting notice i mean that's yes, a good sign yeah but at the beginning i was the only one doing this so it was not difficult so for the journalists who wanted to have something different that was not uh, yeah that was easy for them i was a easy piece for them um so at the beginning i had a lot of attention uh because for for 10 years i was the only one doing this in indonesia and so did did people come after the article for the first two two months i had few people and then the director of ayana wanted to create a sense for ayana so he saw me he saw the jakarta post called me and asked me if i could come to meet him so i went there met him and i say i'm sorry this is not something that i can do now because i don't have a big laboratory i just starting but what i'm i i would like to do is to offer experiences to your guest and he say wow we have a shop which is very very new i am going to test your uh, workshop and we will see if we can start to work together and this is how i started right away in one week again 
one week, I closed my shop and I built the shop in Ayana. Then I stay in Ayana for 11 years. And so when you said you were doing something in Ayana, was that the Ritz Carlton inviting you to be there? In Ayana, in a very small shop, I was doing this with only one girl working every day. And I, I really wanted to have my shop to open every day. Yeah. Every day, never closed. We started to have new uh, employees. That was very hard at the beginning because, you know, working with one person at the, you know, and started to incorporate all the people, that was difficult at the time. But we succeeded to do it. And then in 2014, I think, uh, Ritz Carlton, I received a call at 10 or 11 at night of someone saying, are you Nora from L'Atelier? Yes. Uh, we want you in our hotel. So can you kind of tell me about leading up to that? I guess like combine those two stories. Because like, I mean, you came to Bali with your husband. What what was happening in, in your relationship and how did you balance that with your work? Of course, that was very hard because, you know, you get married not to fail. And I was so sure when I met my husband and everything led me to this man. So that was a disaster for me to even imagine that I wouldn't be married to him. And of course, he was the father of my daughter. And in my family, there is no divorce. Really? So that was very, very hard. But I was sure that was a good decision to do because we were not at the same pace. And What do you mean at the same pace? You know, like I, I had big ambition, big goals, and this is something that I wanted to do. I wanted to go further. And for him, it was I'm happy with what I have, and that's different. Yeah. So... With that kind of like separation and all that happening, I mean, like you have like this really difficult thing in your personal life and then all of a sudden the Ritz Carlton calls you. Can yeah. you tell me about Exactly at the happened? same time. Exactly at the same time. So they call me uh, late at night and say, uh, we are opening new Ritz Carlton in Bali and we want to have you in the shop and we want to give you the main shop in the lobby we want mm. you to be in the lobby so that was wow. big you know that was Huge big because i had a, such a small uh, place I, I was loving and you know i didn't think that what i was doing was not worthy but that that was big you know mm. that was really big so i went there they offered me this big location and it was very exciting because i had to start everything from scratch because the hotel was not built. And uh, so, again, I had to build yeah. <laughs> to build a new shop. So I was very happy about it. And I think and, also uh, it's like almost like poetic. You're kind of building as this chapter of your life is coming to a close. You're starting this new chapter, this new building where there's like a, a lot of possibility and a lot of opportunity. Yes. So I was full of hope. I was very sad. Yeah. I mean, like how could you very, not very be? Sad. How could you not be? But I was so excited as yeah. well. You know, yeah. the same as when I went to boarding school, you know, I was very scared, but I was very excited again because I knew that I was doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. I knew that it would be better for him, better for me, better for my daughter. Um, so I have no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. 
and yeah, but but at the same time, everything was flourishing in my business, so it kept me very busy. Yeah, at the Ritz Carlton, I mean, that's huge. So that's how huge. You yeah, set up in the lobby, you're building an incredible place. How did that move and continue? Um, word of mouth. We we had people traveling from all over the world to come just for the for the workshop. Wow. Many many people told me that they uh, were in Ritz Carlton just to do the workshop. Wow. So that's, you know, when you hear such things, and not one time, many times, I stay humble because because that's a small shop. Yeah. But the, the impact that we have on people, you know, like people who told me that they enrolled in Ezipka just because of the, the workshop that they've, wow. they've done with me. And not one, many. Um, or people now starting uh, into business uh, because they did my classes wow. and uh, I really have this feeling today where I know that I'm at service. Mm-hmm. I know that what I do in the small way I do it matters and it is what I am meant to do. That's huge. So you expanded to a couple different stores yes. before 2020, right? Yeah. Where were things in the beginning of 2020? So Ayana, Ritz-Carlton, I'd opened in TS Suite. I was about to open in Ritz-Carlton in Ubud. Wow. You know, we had a lot of demands before the pandemic. Yeah. So, and the pandemic hit, and we were the only one yeah, I mean, in you Indonesia. Were, you, you had a monopoly. You were, yes, <laughs> you yes. had multiple locations. You were expanding. Yeah. And then, you know, I imagine a place where you're breathing in a bunch of scents, uh, without a mask is, is a little hard to keep open in the pandemic. So what happened when that happened? For me, I, I didn't see any way I could survive, you know, like all my business at the time depend on tourism. So the day I met my team to tell them that I would have to close the shop, I look at their eye and I had this vitality and instead i just told them that okay we are going to fight and i and i look at their eyes and the way they support me during the pandemic was fantastic it was fantastic Hmm. and then the, the 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 company supported them at the same time so i didn't release anybody that's i mean huge and also we decided to create advanced classes to become perfumer or to get to know how to mix scents together. So I started to create this uh, curriculum again, even didn't sleep. <laughs> I was, I was locked into my room and I started to do it. And I was teaching them wow. at the same time. So one curriculum done, going back to studio, teach them, train them, and we were working all day, all the time. And as a team, you know, uh-huh. I was not the only one. And all over Indonesia, people were flying just to do the workshop to become perfumer. So where are things today? How did things progress after things started opening up again? Um, now we are doing very good. We like, like, of course, I need to start again to build the team again because uh, that's a long process. We need to train people, so I cannot 
and hold many people at the same time because I do the things in the right way. Mm -hmm. So for now, we have one person that just came. So I trained them and then another one will, will arrive and I will train them and slowly we will get back to where we were. And I don't think that I want to open a new shop, but who knows? Every <laughs> time I say the same thing, <laughs> but who knows? But I have very big ambition for l'atelier yeah and i will keep it for myself for the moment okay so could you tell me at least maybe a little hint of what you're most excited for in the future to be honest is my spirituality mm. and by saying that i do not exclude my business because now everything is linked my personal life my business are linked to my spirituality and every day I wake up grateful for the life that I have, grateful for the job that I do and for the people that I get to meet. And I think that's the most important things for me. Yeah. Yes. And so if you were to give one piece of advice to someone who maybe is interested in doing what you're doing, but maybe hasn't taken the leap, maybe hasn't uh, started on the path, but is curious, like what advice would you give that person? Send email. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would, I would say that's everything going to be all right. You know, every little failure that you have are shaping your path, you know, and something that you afraid of are the biggest step for you. Every time that I took a big step, it was through something that I was very fearful of. And also remain curious. Until today, I have so much to learn and I have so much to do that I wake up every day at 5 a.m. just because I'm so excited to start the day. And until you get to the point where you are obsessed with what you do, keep going because you will get there at one point you will get to something that you are obsessed and I was so frustrating when I was younger because I say everybody has a passion and I don't and when it started it started like one day you know and and when it is you have no question this is what it is and you have you know there is no other way and yeah and send emails you don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, um, every time that someone asks me a question, I take the time to answer because I know what's behind. I know how know how they feel. And also it's a it's a new connection. You will always find someone who is into people. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our audio editing team lead is Ashley Jimenez with support from Jessica Morales, Miley Lipton, Siyu Pan, Kenny Ray, Josie Yo. Matt Fernandez and Merritt Hill. Our outreach and research team lead is Desiree Nunez with support from Marissa Granados, Monica Lee, Sarah Tiersma, 
And y'all will. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.